Today on the Dean Dunn Talk, we take a look back at the UNC-NC State football game, the last regular game of the season, uh, UNC basketball, and the crazy happenings in the world of college football coaches. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Dunn Talk. Welcome back to the Dean Dome Talk. I'm Gaddy. Joining me is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And uh, it's been a little bit. There's been some ups and downs and bumps along the way since the last uh, episode. Um, ha- happy late Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully it was good for you as it was for us. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into the quick fire facts. I'll go ahead and get us started off here with a uh, England beating Latvia 20-0. to in soccer, might I add. In soccer, yeah. Yes, the England women's national team beat Latvia 20-0. to I believe this was on Tuesday. I think this was on Tuesday. Um, the That would be the 30th of November. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what should I say other than... Four different players got a hat trick, which is scoring three goals in one game. Um, <laughs> How do you get 20 in a game? Yeah. Uh, England's Five goal minutes. difference, which is basically Gore scored minus Gore's allowed, was 53 in the group stage. This is this is a World Cup qualifier match, by the way, for the Women's World Cup. Um, their goal difference was 53. They have allowed zero goals and scored 53. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, That's really insane. And, and there is a UNC connection here because an, a, a UNC alum, Alicia Russo, scored a hat trick after being subbed on in the 60th minute. So this is in the second half. And scoring a hat trick within 11 minutes. That's when you that's when you know that you are just so much better than the other team when your subs come on and score hat tricks. Yes. <laughs> oh man. That is terrible. I, I have some sympathy for uh Latia though, because in high school I was I was on the end of a, a the losing end of a thirteen nothing game. So Oh man, that's gotta I, suck. I, have some personal sympathy <laughs> for the pain that they just experienced. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the refs should have just called the game at that point. Like, after 10 A zero, goal like, was scored every 2.5 minutes of this game. 
That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but keeping it on lots of goal scoring and the soccer thing, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has scored 800 goals now, actually 801, after Manchester United beat Arsenal today, uh, 3-2. to um, So that's 100, 801 goals in just over 1,000 games. That was like 1,040? I, I actually don't know exactly how many over 1,000 it is. I know it's not 1,100. It's much less than that, but... That's a lot of goals. That that is a lot of goals, and in such a short. I mean, a thousand games is not a small sample size, but you know, this guy has been scoring goals since I was in like first or second grade. Let's just say that. Yeah. Wow. It. You have to score. Let's see. I mean, like, you have to score over 30 goals a season. That's just to, for your entire career to have something like this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and he's still, and, he, and Ronaldo's 36 going on 37 early next year. Mm. And uh, he is probably the fittest person on earth. <laughs> he, he knows how to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People are questioning, is he going to get to 900? Is he getting to 1,000? You know? The world, uh... He's, he's 36. He'll be 37 in February, I think. Okay. Yeah, he has some time. He has some time, you yeah. know? Especially if he plays as long as Tom Brady does. Yeah. Um, he, he should call Brady and be like, hey, how do you... How can I make sure to last another 10 years? Yeah, I mean... It's a little bit different. I don't think Tom Brady runs as much as Ronaldo does. Right, definitely. Um, but definitely. you know, maybe they could, they share maybe they share, they share some trade secrets. But um, moving on a little bit, you know, let's you know let's talk about the let's talk about baseball. So uh, I woke up today to find out that the MLB, uh, Major League Baseball, and the Players Association for Major League Baseball. Well, their collective bargaining agreement expired, and now we have a lockout. No baseball activities at all. Um, it's the yeah. first lockout since 1990. That, wasn't 1994, I thought? Um, they, I think they had some disagreements. I think that, no, that was a strike in oh, 1994. So okay. similar, but... but the strike is when the players say we're not playing. Lockout is when the teams say you aren't allowed, like in our facilities, anywhere like near the stadium, like all that stuff. So like it literally comes from the word, like to actually lock out the employees. Um, wow. <laughs> um, okay. It's, like technically, that's like what a lockout is. Um, so, but you're right. Ninety four. The players went on strike. Um, and some of the issues that are kind of at stake here, the MLB has a really weird system for um, uh, salaries, where the first three years in the major leagues, you kind of have like a set salary. And then the next three years, you have, um, you go through arbitration, salary arbitration. So like the the team and the player argue basically before a group of like almost judges 
what the salary should be and those judges decide and then only after that does it go into free agency um and so players want to try to get away from that system also players want to have like a draft lottery um so that there's like less tanking but like those are the two big things that have the players are um you know focusing on i think there was something to do also with the luxury tax the teams yeah. want it to be higher the association doesn't want it that high yeah, it, yeah. It, there's there's gonna be, have to be a lot of talking and big wig arguments for this to yeah. be resolved and who knows when this is going to get resolved at this point yeah um the funny one funny thing to add and i know this is starting to devolve into not as quick of a quick fire but according to espn um after the lockout went into effect mlb.com got rid of all the pictures of players on their website and replaced it replaced them with generic silhouettes of people playing baseball oh no uh, and, and so a, a group of players started changing their profile pictures on twitter to pictures of generic players <laughs> um to kind of mock what the mlb did so it's it, it gets a little it gets a little spicy uh i can imagine i guess that's a one way to live through the lockout have some yeah. fun while doing it yeah yeah but uh, speaking of having fun, it, the Big Ten ACC Challenge uh, was this past couple days, uh, including uh, UNC, Michigan, Duke, Ohio State. And uh, the, the other game in the triangle was uh, NC State versus Nebraska, which happened to go into four overtimes. Yeah. Four <laughs> overtimes. I don't. I, I I didn't catch that game. I think uh, I had some stuff to do before catching the UNC game, but um, they, it took them a while to break a hundred points, if I remember right. Yeah, it wasn't until the fourth overtime where either team broke a hundred points. Jeez, which is kind of wild, because um, sometimes teams break hundred points in regulation. Um, I wonder if we're gonna do that at some point. Oh, I hope we do at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're on like four games straight, scoring 72 points. So, yeah. yeah. I guess that's our average. Uh, yeah. Now, one more last thing for Quickfire, just to round it up. And uh, it's something that looks a little bit familiar. It's a video that looks a little bit familiar. Now, uh, the big story in college football this week, one of the big stories, because a lot's been happening, was that uh, Brian Kelly, uh, look, he's leaving Notre Dame. He's heading down to the bayous of uh, Louisiana, uh, to LSU. And uh, the video announcement from LSU looks suspiciously familiar yeah yeah uh to the point where if you take a video from notre dame with interviews and announcements of brian kelly and you put it side by side with the announcement video lsu football did you have these same exact frames 
the same exact things happening and someone did a like a fanciful photoshop basically mm-hmm. uh like the a video version of a photoshop almost it's not, it's not quite a deep fake that requires ai and other computer stuff but they basically cut brian kelly out with a clipping tool and green screens behind him the lsu locker room and other things <laughs> and it's a very bad cutout might i add there is yeah. very sharp and yeah it's not very good um and, and there are a couple a couple scenes where it's you know uh brian kelly talking in a notre dame video and what they do is like they change his jacket like sports jacket color to purple yeah in the in the notre dame video he's wearing a notre dame pin well they even went to the trouble of changing the pin to an lsu pin (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) it's like you couldn't wait long enough to do an actual video with him Um. oh my gosh this is something that you have to see and that by in I have no doubt this is going to be circulating a lot more once this gets out. This is fairly new. Yeah. So, uh, it's like breaking news. Breaking news today. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that wraps up our little bit longer quick fire facts, but hopefully it was enjoying. Uh, it was funny. Uh, let's go ahead and get into, uh, some UNC stuff, starting with some football. If you'd like to start with that. Oh yeah. Um, sad news that Bo Corrales, wide receiver from UNC, is leaving. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. He didn't play. Didn't really play injuries and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, this seems a little early. Or is it late? I don't know. No, other players have been, you know, announcing that they're going to transfer, but just as like, it came out of the blue for me. Um, because he's a, like, I feel like he's a good player. Um, he didn't play too much this year. I don't know if he played, did he, he didn't play at all, did he? Maybe um, a snap or two, or I don't know. Yeah, um, so that was kind of, you know, disappointing, his lack of playing time, because, like, because injuries and stuff, but I was hoping he was going to come back and do well next year. Yeah, well, that's not happening, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing not happening is us seeing Sam Howell, prob- probably Sam Howell playing for us again. Yeah. Um, after UNC football just collapsed in the end of the fourth quarter, being up two touchdowns, two scores to NC State, giving up two touchdowns and an onside kick within 26 seconds yeah. to lose to State. There, there were bad ref calls along the way, but also that I don't know. The, this yeah, is a were, terrible. Um, there were some very bad calls that clearly changed the game, but also, I mean, there were just some dumb things that we did, like letting that um, like letting our that receiver down the field. We didn't have a safety back there to. Or the safety screwed up to let the, the state receiver downfield for that long touchdown pass. Letting them get the onside kick. Yeah, I mean, not not good. Yeah. I mean, all we had to do is get the onside kick. Yeah. And that was game. Right, right. Uh, 
and now who knows what bowl game we're going to, and more than likely we're not seeing Sam Howell play for us again because it's way too risky. Yeah. Because yeah. he will he will get targeted because right. there's basically a not a targeting call that wasn't called. Well, it was called targeting and then not called targeting later upon review during the state game, but players will aim for him. So. And it just does, it's not smart for him to play in a no-name bowl game when he could there's be there's nothing on the line, right? Nothing yeah. on the line for him. Um, he can only lose in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess that's football for us. That's football. Yeah. So you know, that's yeah, that's a down note. Let's let's go to another down note, and then I promise we'll go back up. Okay, so um, the last the last UNC basketball game we talked about was UNC's loss versus Purdue, which is an, almost like weirdly enough an encouraging loss. We kept up with a very very good team throughout the entire game. It was very close until the end. Um, but UNC versus Tennessee, that was just a different story. We looked bad. Like we scored seventy two points. But we allowed 89 from Tennessee. That is bad. That is very bad. Um, So I go ahead and just jump into the good, bad, and ugly about this. The good was that Brady Manick showed up. Uh, Brady Manick with 24 points this game. He was... He shot 60% from three. Wow. Yeah. If you take Brady Manic out, we were four of thirteen from three. Mm-hmm. So that's not very good. Yeah, and the bad—I mean, where do I start? This team showed no spine, no spine at all. There was no defense. We we got out rebounded. Okay, North Carolina got out rebounded. Thirty rebounds to Tennessee's thirty-eight. And the real damning statistic is that Tennessee had 28 assists. Wow. 28 assists to our nine. Wow. They were moving the ball effortlessly. We weren't making things hard for them on uh, on our defense, their offense. They were just getting in all our passing lanes, intercepting things. Though we did also cause turnovers to them. The turnover ratio was 10 for Tennessee, 13 for us. So that wasn't really the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Though they did get four blocks. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And the real ugly thing here, this is the ugly. Uh, we were getting beat on every single pick and roll. Every single pick and pop. Mm-hmm. Every one. That's not good. That, and this has been a consistent thing throughout those first few games. And and this went into the UNC versus Asheville game, which we'll get to in a, in a second, okay? Uh-huh. Every single time, teams were just... Every, every offensive play, uh-huh. every single time, they would run a pick and pop and get an open shot. We didn't know how to actually defend that. Also, our two-point field goal percentage was bad. Thirty-seven percent uh, from two is just unacceptable. Yeah, it definitely. 
I genuinely don't think Tennessee's a better team than us. And I think by the end of the season, I think that, that, that will show. But this game, Tennessee was just ticking properly. And they were just leaving a team that couldn't play defense and UNC in the dust. Yeah. We turned something, a promising loss that probably wouldn't have hurt us that badly if we had beaten Tennessee rankings-wise into just a instant unranking that we're going to have to work really hard to get back into uh, the AP Top 25, which I think we belong in, uh, especially towards the end of the season, but here, no. Yeah. Um, I guess that takes us to UNC versus Asheville. The good, we're back to winning ways. I mean, if you don't beat Asheville, what are you doing, I guess? Um, yeah. We held, I guess we held Asheville to 53 uh, points. They did shoot 18 of 68. So I think it's more so them not making shots uh, instead of us playing defense, which is something I, I sort of I noted in this is that this was not a convincing win. The bad thing was this was not a convincing win to me. The ugly thing is that we won this game because the opponent missed shots, open shots, not because we made them miss through actual defense. And we were also still getting beat on the pick and pops, pick and rolls, both of them. Um, and we, we let their, we let uh, their, one of their guards, uh, Jamon Battle, score 19 on us. Like, I mean, the rest of his team didn't really show up but still like what's going on here we always let one guy on their team go off defense is defense is being a problem here consistently um and that sort of takes us so it's a win you can't w is a w here but you have to look at why we got the w and also why we didn't get the the loss here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's go on to UNC, UNC versus ranked number 24, Michigan, who has not been having a fun time, might I add. Uh, they started the season uh, ranked number six. They've fallen a lot. They have fallen a lot, yes. Uh, some games, and I did note in the preseason preview that Michigan, uh, that Jawan Howard has lost his core group that he inherited, the, the group that was keeping his team together, and that he has to now instill the spirit of Michigan in his team from scratch. Um, and it's going to take him some time. We're going to see what he's really made of. Um, but this was, this was a W for UNC, 72-51. Uh, to 51. Uh, Michigan just couldn't make shots at the end of the day. Uh, but this was a convincing win. This is the good. This is a convincing win. It was the first convincing win in uh, quite a while. You know, when you, when you exclude your rivalry games, which you always are just going to be up for, we haven't had a convincing win against a good opponent. Michigan sucks now, but they'll get good better. Uh, they'll get good later. I promise since 2019, really. Um. Yeah, it's I mean, been quite a bit. So not including rivalry games. 
rivalry games, you're going to be up for them, regardless. Right. But when you're just playing somebody who's good, like it's a game where you just have to scrap it out mm-hmm. against a team who's probably on your level. Who's like you're good, you're talented. They're also very talented. They're well coached. You're well coached. You're like you got that, and you beat them convincingly, showing that your team has taken a step up. That's a convincing win to me. Um, we, for once, we didn't bite on their pick and rolls. This game, it looks like progress. Like we look like we had practiced how to defend it. We weren't giving them open shots in every pick this time. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad. Now this is something that we need to talk about. Kerwin Walton has scored zero points on four attempts in this game. Two of, two of these attempts from three. Now Kerwin has been very cold for the past few games. Zero points versus Tennessee. Five versus Asheville. And zero versus Michigan. He has had wide open shots. And he's been missing a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're surviving a little bit without that, but we could really use him to get back on track. So, uh, we need to keep an eye out on him. Uh, hopefully he gets back into shooting form. Uh, and, oh yes, we do. Luckily, we have other players on this team now who can shoot three, including uh, what I labeled as my good ugly uh, for this game. Uh, Caleb Love making some deep threes. <laughs> like, NBA range threes, and I liked it. I liked it. He, he had the balls to take some good uh, shots. Didn't make them all, but he took some good shots. Even some contested ones that he probably shouldn't be taking, but he would make them. So I really like what I'm seeing. He's a lot more confident now. He'll turn over the ball still a little bit. He can be a bit careless with it, but he is. I think he's definitely improving. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's that is the past few games. Uh, I believe Sunday we played Georgia Tech. It's a big one. I actually don't. Is it does it count as conference play, or is it a like a conference game out of conference? I don't think they do that in basketball. Yeah, I'm just not 100 percent sure. Yeah, because I know that they they've been trying to the the big conferences have been trying to push towards earlier conference games. Yeah. So I I think it is. Well, something to note. Is that uh, we're going up against the player in the NCAA Division One who has who is leading the nation in points per game, Michael DeVoe. Yeah, twenty five and a half points per game. Wow. Yes. Gosh. We gotta lock him up mm-hmm. and swallow the key. I mean, just. <laughs> He is going to torch us if we don't stop him. Whether that means putting Leaky on him, whether that means restricting passes going to him or going from him, I don't know. That's for Coach Davis to decide. Mm-hmm. But we can't let him go off against us because he will drag this 
Georgia Tech team kicking and screaming to to keep this game close, if not win against us. We can't allow that. We need to start building some momentum. But uh, speaking of teams who have lost momentum, let's talk a little bit about Gonzaga. Gonzaga, well, they were number one in the country. Very, very, very talented and well-coached, of course. Uh, Mark Few and co. with uh, star freshman Shet Holmgren. And they lost Duke, who would ultimately take the number one crown. But then they almost lost a nail-biter to Tarleton State, which would have been the biggest upset in Division I basketball in... I don't remember how many years this was, but it would have been huge. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not good. Because, what, they only had a one-point lead at halftime. Yeah, and I think they were down at some point. Wow. A, a bit, so... Some and nerves they, are showing. Yeah. But we'll have to figure this out, because they have to play Alabama this weekend, and Alabama's... What, True, but you also have to remember that, you know, our complaints were always with uh, with Gonzaga's that they're just winning every game. They can't, they don't know how to deal with a loss, how to learn from it. They're getting a loss or two in here. Not that like you want to lose, but sometimes you need to lose to get better. Right, that's true. This is setting up Gonzaga. You know, they'll be good. This might set them up for actually winning the championship. So, Possibly. maybe. But uh, let's, let's talk about Duke, who did beat Gonzaga. Uh, Duke would eventually lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, Duke was leading at 13, 13 points, I think, at halftime, and <laughs> lost to Ohio State, which... I think Ohio State fans rushed the court. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. So uh, we'll see what happens. Duke is still number one. Yeah, it's a huge win. The, the number one team in the country. So. Exactly. Um, especially being down that much at halftime. Like, usually when you're unranked and down that double digits to the number one team in the country at halftime, like, there's usually no coming back. Yeah. But uh, they did it. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, college basketball always delivers. Not it, I, sure it always delivers. But uh, with college basketball getting ramped up, all the good games still to come, mm-hmm. college football sort of ramping down now. There's not many games left. Very, very few games left. Yeah, it's the um, the regular season has officially ended, except for Army-Navy. Army-Navy is always played like after... Um, every other game is um, every other game is played. But other than that, all the games have been played. We have conference championship week weekend this weekend, um, and then we will figure out who gets to play in the college football playoffs, who gets to play in the New Year Six bowls, and then who plays in the other bowl games as well. So some exciting stuff coming, but definitely the the ending of the season although not the end except uh some coaches have have decided that it was the end for their seasons um (laughs) namely lincoln riley and brian kelly both switched schools this weekend lincoln riley 
was the head coach at Oklahoma, and it was, you know, people had been talking about him as a potential candidate for the LSU job because LSU had, as we've talked about before, had fired Ed Orgeron, or at least, I don't, I don't know if the word was fired, but basically said he was not going to come back next year, um, although they allowed him to kind of finish out the season. And people kind of in the media were like, okay, well, Lincoln Riley's going to leave Oklahoma for LSU. And Lincoln Riley was asked after, or maybe it was before the last game, if he was going to be the next head coach at LSU. And he said no. Well, what the reporter did not ask (laughs) was if he would uh, be the next head coach at USC, because not too long after, word came out that he was going to become the next head coach at USC, which is a monumental change for so many reasons. But it's extremely negative for Oklahoma, extremely positive for USC, because USC has... Well, both USC and Oklahoma are two of the best programs in college football history. But... And so to be able to get a great coach like Lincoln Riley, who five years had won uh, four Big 12 titles... Had, been, had made it to the college football playoffs, made it to New Year's Six Bowls all of his first four years. Um, for USC to go out and get him was huge because USC has had some struggles in recent years getting their program back to what it used to be. Really, they, they've not been the same since Pete Carroll left because um, Pete Carroll was he was great won two national championships, but he left in a, after the 09 season. Um, and USC's back on track. They get a guy who um, knows how to develop quarterbacks. Lincoln Riley's first year, um, his quarterback was Baker Mayfield, who turned out to be the Heisman winner. Lincoln Riley's second year, his quarterback turned out to be... Um, Gosh, he was. It was another Heisman winner. Why, why am I forgetting? Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. Murray was, that yeah he's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Um, third year, the quarterback was Jalen Hurts, who was a runner-up or in the Heisman voting. So, like, this guy knows how to make quarterbacks turn out to be dominant quarterbacks. All three of them are in the NFL. All three of them are, are good starters in the NFL. So, yeah, so that's what USC's getting. They're also getting all the a lot of the recruits that Lincoln Riley had signed to Oklahoma. There have been multiple recruits who have all left Oklahoma and said we're gonna we're decommitting. And then later, a few of them have said that they are now going to commit to USC. Some of them really big name recruits, and people see this as huge for USC recruiting because that's what Lincoln Riley is great at. And um, USC has been losing a lot of the talent from the state of California because really if if USC does their job right like if they dominate recruiting in California they should be a, a really good team because California is one of the best states for recruits from college football but they've been losing recruits in recent years to other programs in the SEC and the Big Ten and to Oklahoma but now they're not going to anymore also, it's so bad for Oklahoma because they they were a program. They've been defined by consistency. They, you know, their coaches stay a long time, um, and it looked like 
they were going to get another guy who was going to stay a long time. I mean, Lincoln Riley's only 38 right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, they thought he was going to stay for a long time. So much for going to the SEC. <laughs> yeah. Well, well <laughs> before we get to that, let's let's talk about some of the, how long coaches have stayed at Oklahoma. Because it's really something that's like an Oklahoma, not necessarily Oklahoma specific, but they are really known for keeping coaches for a long time. So one of their first coaches named Benny Owen was from 1905 to 1926. That's a long time. Yeah. An- another big coach, Bud Wilkinson, was from 1947 to 1963. That's an attorney in sports. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Three national championships over that time period. Um, they went through a few other guys, and they got Barry Switzer, 1973 to 1988. Um. Then had a guy who was there for a measly six years, and a couple other guys. Then Bob Stoops from 1999 to 2016. So, like, they keep their guys for a long time. And they're, like, usually dedicated coaches. Like, Bob Stoops has said that he's going to coach Oklahoma's bowl game this year. Even though, like, he, he left Oklahoma in 2016, he's coming back for this bowl game since Lincoln Riley announced his departure. So... You know, who's going to be the next head coach, especially, as Gaddy just mentioned, going to into the SEC, where it's going to be so much harder. Some people have been speculating that the re- part of the reason Lincoln Riley is going to USC is so that he can be in an easier conference. Because Pac-12 and Big 12 are kind of similar in terms of the strength of their conferences, where, whereas the SEC is like... It's brutal. <laughs> absolutely brutal. Um, I mean, I just like... This is something we've talked about before, but teams, even though it's a lot of money to go to the SEC, teams should not want to go to the SEC because it just means that you have so many tough games that it makes it hard to actually do well. So, like, the two divisions right now, um, you have one division, which has Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Those are three big-time programs, even though Tennessee's not doing its best right now. Three big-time programs. The other division is Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M as the four big, big-time programs. So if you get stuck in one of those divisions, those are like, yeah, no easy wins. You don't you don't have many bad teams in the SEC. Um, so Oklahoma could be in trouble if they don't get a good coach to – replace Riley yeah I mean they're already in trouble especially with uh, Lincoln Riley's uh, basically the guys he recruited just flipping (laughs) they're all flipping to um, to how much did USC pay to get him I mean really how much did they pay it was um oh wait i i have the con where's the contract it was it was quite a lot of money I, I would imagine yeah um so it sb nation i oh, know that's that's the wrong salary um Hundred ten million. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, he getting paid. Total, and that's like over. I don't. I don't know how many years that's over. Um, I think it's over a 
quick amount of, or not not a quick amount of time, but still, like he's, they say he's going to be one of the most, um, you know, expensive coaches. Plus, they had to pay the buyout at Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's wild. Brian Kelly, who's the second guy, he, which we already talked a little bit about it. He left Notre Dame when Notre Dame still has a chance to make the playoffs this year, <laughs> if a little bit of chaos happens. But he left Notre Dame for LSU, a 10-year deal worth $100 million. That's another uh, huge move. That – just wait until the end. Yeah. Why announce it now? Well, he didn't want to announce it now, um, and it, but it broke – the news broke while he was, I think, while he was in Louisiana, and um, reports came out that he then had to send like basically a text to the team and apologize for the news coming out that way. But the next morning, he was in South Bend to like tell the team in person. Um, so he might have been intending to stay to like wait and see if, the, if Notre Dame made the playoffs before leaving. But then the news broke and then kind of, you know, forced his hand. Um, which is, it's just wild. LSU, they must be excited because Brian Kelly is a phenomenal head coach. He's been at Notre Dame for what feels like forever. I mean, coaches don't jump ship like this normally. Like, they just normally don't jump ship. I mean, he had been there since 2010. So... So many wins. I mean, I just, just, just shocked. LSU, but this is a huge get by LSU because of how good. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is like you're you're weakening a college football playoff rival Mm -hmm. and strengthening yourself. That that is like definition of what you should be doing. Big time, and especially when it's a. A coach who you know can um, can last long term. That's you know that's, I mean Brian Kelly has the Notre Dame record for wins. Not Newt Rockney, not Lou Holtz. Brian Kelly has the Notre Dame record for wins. So that like LSU is getting a consistent guy who they think is going to last a long time. Um, and just to kind of, again, talk about how crazy this coaching cycle has been, the top tier programs who have had coaching vacancies this year, Oklahoma, USC, Florida, LSU, and Notre Dame. Those are five of the best programs of all time. That's not even including like the smaller, quote unquote, smaller power five programs. Like Virginia Tech and TCU. I mean, Virginia um, also lost their coach. Virginia, yeah. Duke lost their coach. Yeah, Duke. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, there's going to be a musical chairs of coaches. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost overshadowing like this exciting playoff race. Please don't leave a Smack Brown. <laughs> no, we need Mac Brown. Yeah, playoffs. we do. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know where we go. If he just retires. Yeah, that would that would suck if he retired. We would we would be in big trouble, very big trouble. But 
Somebody who's not in trouble, though. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Finally, like, they, he has finally beaten Ohio State. After how many tries? <laughs> After a lot. He is, uh, he had lost five times um, to Ohio State. 0-5, and then went into this game. Going into this game, he was 0-5. Michigan overall had lost 14 of the last 15. Oh, that sucks. How is that a rivalry game then? Well, the thing is, it's not like Michigan has been bad. That's part of it. You know, like Alabama-Tennessee used to be a great rivalry. Tennessee is not that good anymore. So Alabama has been dominating. Um, but Michigan, though, they've been good. Um, <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh, he has made it to two New Year's Six Bowls, plus the Citrus Bowl twice, which the Citrus Bowl is, like, the best non-New Year's Six Bowl. So, like, four huge bowl games in his first five years, including a tie for a division title in 2018. Three 10-plus win seasons in his first five in this first four years so like he's they've done well um it's just ohio state's absolutely dominated because this is supposed to be the best rivalry of all college football um michigan is number one in the fbs in all-time wins ohio state's number two in all-time wins so Um, yeah that makes sense ohio state's number one in weeks in the ap poll michigan's number two in weeks in the AP poll. So, so it's basically the Duke UNC of college football. Yeah, yeah. It's called the game for a reason. Um, so, and I could, like, we could do a whole podcast about how great of a rivalry is, but they finally won. Um, and they were due for a win at some point. It was at Michigan. It, like, it had to happen at some point, so I guess this was the year. And to, I think this leads me a little bit into the next topic. Because I was wrong about Michigan for this year. I so, didn't think that they were going to be this good. Do you think we should? Yeah. Do a bit of oh, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to come clean. Yeah. Time to come yeah, clean. Time to come clean. So <laughs> I, I went back through the predictions that I made for college football from the beginning of the year. And I got, I got many wrong. I got many right. I got more right than I got wrong. That's, that, that's typically ones, good. That's good. And some of the ones I got right were... I think impressive ones, if I do say so myself. But I'll go through the ones that the bad for Michigan. I, I said they weren't going to be that they weren't going to be this good this year. Although I did say, and I have written down in my notes, and like I have it dated to prove, um, I did say if they can figure out the quarterback situation, and if this new defensive coordinator can turn around the defense, then they will be able to contend with Ohio State for the division. And those two things happened. Um, Michigan's quarterback, Cade McNamara, it wasn't like he was dominant, but he he rarely turned the ball. Basically, he did not turn the ball over, and he did not get sacked. Three total interceptions all year, six total sacks all year. That is very good. Very, very good. And then, you know, talking about the defense, this new defensive coordinator, he did some – I don't know <laughs> what he did, but he has got to be one of the – eventually is probably going to be if he can keep this up one of the top names for a head coach later because um 
two of Michigan's defensive ends finished in the top 10 in FBS in sacks. Um, so that is that is huge. Aiden Hutchinson, who Aiden Hutchinson is being considered for Heisman, even though he's a defensive player. And then David Ojabu. Um, actually, Ojabu is a, is a linebacker. I got that wrong. So like they've really figured things out on defense. And their, their run game has been dominant. So that was something I got wrong. Um, also in the Big Ten, it looked like I was going to get Maryland right. They started out four and zero, and I was, you know, very excited, but then they collapsed to six and six. So it, it, yeah, not as, not what I had hoped. Um, Michigan State, I got completely wrong. Everyone got that one wrong though, because the Big Ten preseason poll had them at the bottom of the division, when they were clearly not at the bottom of the division. Nebraska and Purdue, I, I kind of had them off. In the ACC. UNC made me very sad. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, I think it made a lot of people very sad. Made a lot of people sad. Miami and Florida State were also extremely disappointing this year. Um, this has just yeah. been an off year for the ACC. Yeah, it really has because teams have just the ACC has been really bad this year um, I, with those teams. Hopefully, our hopefully ACC basketball can redeem it though. Virginia is not having a good time. <laughs> Virginia yeah. basketball is really not having a good time right now. Yeah, <laughs> me, I, like, sure do they have three or four losses? Let me check real quick. Um, that you can continue. Okay. Well, then, like you know, I I overshot Texas, undershot Baylor, um, Oklahoma State. I was very surprised with. I, I told you guys at the beginning of the year, this is going to be weird for them because they're going to be characterized by their defense. And that's usually not a Mike Gundy team. Usually um, Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State teams are high powered offenses, but Oklahoma State had, they like, they lost a lot of offense talent. So I didn't think that they were going to make that up with their defense, even though their defense was going to be good, but it turned out they were, I mean, they, they shut down some really good offenses, including year. Oklahoma. <laughs> including Oklahoma. Um, I mean, yeah. So then you know, Cal, I got really wrong. Auburn got wrong. Arkansas and Ole Miss, I I under projected them as well. So like those were those were teams where I was you know a little off. I didn't buy into Ole Miss's hype going into the year, just because they had Lane Kiffin and a great quarterback like. But the you, rest of the team... You need done. more than just that. Right, right. But the, the rest of the team proved me wrong. Now, I'm going to talk about where I got things right. Before you jump into that, Virginia Virginia has three losses right now. Really? How many games have they played? Eight. They're five and three. That is not good. That is not good. No, that is not. They might be in trouble. Yeah, they don't really have the talent, but let's get let's go ahead and get back to uh uh wait, uh Coffrey Brown transferred to South Florida. Really? Yeah. That's that's a surprise. Huh. Yeah. That's really disappointing. That is very disappointing. Lost another wide receiver. Younger brother Diami Brown. Yeah. Oh, that's that is sad, man. That's very sad. Oh. I did not expect that at all. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, uh, back to tooting your own horn. 
Anyways, okay, so the positives. I just talked about the, the things I got wrong. The things I got right, though. I said that, Vir that Virginia Tech might fire Fuente because it was going to be a mediocre year. And guess what? It was a mediocre year, and they fired Fuente. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, I said they were going to be 4-8. and eight. They turned out 3-9. and nine. I'm going to count that as getting it right when it's only one win difference. I'm going to say that's right. I, I said Cincinnati was going to finish first in the American in the regular season. I said SMU was going to go 8-4. and four. I said Oklahoma was going to be 10-2. and two. I also said that Oklahoma would lose to Oklahoma State. Excited about that. Because <laughs> um, they, had, they had lost quite a few, or Oklahoma State had lost quite a few to Oklahoma recently. Indiana, I called it. I said they were they were extremely overrated. I rem, you know distinctly remember talking about how overrated they were, and they really fell back down to earth. Minnesota and Wisconsin, I had them both at nine and three. They both finished eight and four. So like one game from the correct prediction, like I'm gonna count that as a win. I also predicted Minnesota's win over Wisconsin. Um, people were overhyping Northwest. Preseason poll had them at third in the division out of seven. I said they were going to fall back down to earth and miss a bowl game, and that is what happened. Um, I also told you guys Oregon was not going to be good enough for a serious, serious playoff push, which happened. Um, Washington, preseason number twenty in the country. I said they, I said they weren't going to do that. I said they were going to be six and four, which they finished four and eight. So, like, Washington did worse than I thought they did, but I was one of the few who predicted that they really did not deserve that preseason top 25 appearance. Um, and then kind of trying to finish up, Utah and UCLA, I predicted their records correctly, and I was one win off from Arizona State. I told you guys Georgia would win their division. I told you guys Kentucky would be 93 and finish second in their division. I said Tennessee would be 7-5. I said Alabama was going to be 11-1. I got their loss, which loss they were going to get wrong, but I still I still got the correct record. So more more correct than wrong, but, you know. Man, so a lot of people could have made a lot of money off of your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was excited the most with, like, getting the exact records correct. Um, like, Utah and UCLA, I, like, they finished with these the same end of regular season record that I said they would. Same with Kentucky and same with the others. So I was I, that was what was most exciting for me. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Very good predictions. <laughs> but I uh, just thought I would, you know, I, I think it's good that we kind of go back and so you can see if we actually know what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes it's true, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we know what we're talking yeah. about, but uh, you know what? I is, that, is that all the football we've got? I think that is. Do we got some NBA coming up? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. Uh, one of the biggest things right now about the NBA this uh, came out yesterday was that the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls are losing draft picks as a result of um, engaging in talks with free agents too early. Uh, when it comes to Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball. Uh, so both teams will each lose their f next available second round pick. That, that's their punishment. It's not like a bad punishment. but It's not too bad, no. Um, but yeah, they're getting punished for it. 
Uh, and I guess now, time to talk. Just look at the standings right now. Uh, though standings are bound to change with Chicago playing. Uh, Chicago, New York, Milwaukee, Toronto, OKC, Memphis, Detroit, Phoenix, and San Antonio and Portland all playing tonight. But let's before any of those games are done, let's go ahead and talk about the standings. So start with the East. Yeah, who's at the bottom? <laughs> we yeah. yeah. Who's at the bottom of the East? Yeah, Detroit. Yeah. Detroit at the bottom. Orlando. Uh, so. Detroit with four wins, Orlando with five, and then there's a jump up to the Pacers. The Pacers are just disappointing. Yeah. Like, they have so much talent on that roster and can't Mm. do anything with it. They're below the Raptors. That's saying something. That's saying something. Uh, Also, let's... uh, Do you notice who's, like, right above the Raptors? Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a shock. That is really a shock. In fairness, they're four and a half games behind. They're not that far away. Mm-hmm. The East is very congested very right now. With like the West. Oh, the West. Ah, uh, well, the West. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Well, you're right. It is very the Kings and the Kings and the 76ers are both in 11th place in their conferences. The Kings are 10 games behind, while the Sixers are four and a half behind. That's a big difference. Yeah. I'm saying we're like 23 games into the year. So the Sixers and Beads had injuries. I think he had COVID. Simmons yeah. drama behind him. He's not <laughs> playing. Yeah. And I mean, you just lost an all-star, basically. Right. You lost two all-stars. It makes sense why their record is 11-11, 500. So, yeah. Will they get back into the playoff picture? Probably, assuming MB gets healthy and stays healthy. Yeah. But they gotta resolve the Simmons issue. There's no way yeah. he can keep playing for the Sixers, but also, who's gonna give... Who's going to give Daryl Morey enough, I think it's Daryl Morey, uh, enough stuff to take Simmons off his hands? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The Knicks, with uh, big news in New York, that uh, Kemba Walker is out of the rotation. That's crazy. No. <laughs> Why would you do this to Kemba? Oh, gosh. Poor Kemba. That- what a fall from grace. Yeah. The Hornets let Kemba walk at the right time, I think. They sure did. I yeah. I do hope he signs a one-day contract and retires as a Hornet, but... Yeah, yeah. You know, just... I don't know. The Knicks, the Knicks have defensive issues. Their starting lineup has defensive issues, especially. And it's really showing... Um, allowing 106 points per game but that's not as much as what the hornets are letting and the hornets are sitting at ninth after losing three straight um Mm -hmm. including to the bulls and the bucks the 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 game to the bucks was extremely close it was a very very good game um the hornets are allowing 115 points per game 
At the same time, they are the highest scoring team in the league with 114.9 points per game. Yeah. That is, that is something. Yes. Um, but also... That's really something. Yeah, Hornets are 13-11. Put some wins together and they can start shooting back up. Celtics at 12 and 10. They're sort of treading water. They had injury issues, but people are coming back now. Uh, especially Jalen Brown. The Hawks, Trey Young is starting to revive, basically, from uh, his early season woes. The Cavs sitting at six. Okay, what's going on here? Despite all these injuries, how are the Cavs at six? I don't I like honestly I, I do not know how we were at six. Um I will say Darius Garland is playing is playing well. The we're on a three game so we were on a losing streak, a five game losing streak. They were to tough teams. It was two losses to the Nets, a loss to the Suns, lost to the Warriors, and lost to the Celtics. So like those aren't bad losses, but then we turned around three game winning streak, including an emphatic win at the heat it was the first time we had won in miami in a really long time and here i'm gonna gonna point out a couple things in that game at the heat we won 111 85 there were uh let's see set no six players who scored in double figures so it's showing that the Cavs can balance their offense mobley and allen both had double doubles both of them had four plus blocks so it shows like they they can rebound they can really protect the paint and that has been huge to where we're at but another thing that i don't think people are going to talk about enough um is who was coming off the bench ricky rubio and kevin love are coming off the bench and like i was surprised at the beginning of the year that love was coming off the bench because you know he's a Cavs legend he won a championship right and you know, it almost feels like, okay, well, out of respect, we got to have him as a starter. But he's been off the bench, and he's been playing really well. And so what that does when it's both Love and Rubio, who spent time together in Minnesota, so they have that connection and that chemistry. Um, but what it does is now, you know, when the starters come off, you have a very strong second punch that is stronger than a lot of teams, like, second unit is right now because those are both good players and they are also have great chemistry and like to give an example the miami game kevin love off the bench his plus minus was plus 29 Ooh, Ricky that's plus very good. minus was plus 30 oh yeah that, that that's 30. that's very good that's very yeah, very very good and so for those of you who don't know the plus minus is basically what direction the score went in while you were on the floor and by how much so like rubio's plus 38 means that while he was on the floor the Cavs increased their lead by 38 points or scored 38 more points than miami scored while rubio was on the court so for me it's that's what it's been it's this any like we have all of our guys are or a lot of guys are stepping up to score um alan mobley or defensive presence and then our second unit is playing well yeah i uh, i 
Cavs just chugging along, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, so, it. I mean, so are the Heat. I, I mean, I guess everybody really at the top is just chugging along. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen a lot of stuff with Brooklyn, especially with Harden, just looking lazy. But somehow mm-hmm. they're still sitting top of the East. The Bucks are on an eight-game win streak. Really? Yeah, they started their season off with some injuries, so they couldn't really get their whole squad to play together for very many games. But mm-hmm. once they finally got Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton all playing together, they were winning. So mm-hmm. I guess that's really the key to them. Uh, Bulls are suffering with injuries right now. So, yeah, that, that's really the East, just at a quick glance. Uh, Cole Anthony, uh, just going back to the Magic just for one second. Cole Anthony was had an ankle injury, uh, but came back yesterday and dropped 24 points. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Dropped 24 points, so he's back to his ways now. Balling out. And uh, Kobe White actually uh, got COVID despite being vaccinated. So he's going to be out on the Bulls. Cam Johnson posterized somebody. Um, yeah. Cam Johnson just posterizing people. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that takes us to the Western Conference. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rockets are on a four-game win streak, but still sit bottom of the West at 5-16. and 16. <laughs> uh, Yeah, that, that shows you the Rockets. Yeah, they, they've looked a little bit better. They've actually had some jump in their step with it, um, with everything going on. Uh, the Pelicans this came out today that uh, Zion Williamson is cleared to return to full activities after today because he has oh, really? he didn't practice today because he had a sore foot. A sore foot. Yes, yeah. um, that was uh, that was a clarification um, to the to the memo that he's cleared to return. Uh, OKC also six six wins. Spurs, I don't know what's going on. <sighs> Six wins. The Kings, after firing Luke Walton, I don't know where they're going. Honestly, the Nuggets at ten is weird. Though they did, yeah, that's been, yeah. That's been disappointing. They did lose Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Um, I think for this no, for a little bit. I don't know if he if he's. Lost for the season. I forgot if he's lost for the season. You know what? Let me check real quick. Injuries have just been happening, so there have been a, a lot of a lot of injuries. I think he's out for the season. Uh, surgery on his lower back. So yeah. Okay. Uh, they're missing a lot of people. So I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. The Timberwolves are up to nine. Uh, sitting got a nice yeah, 500. Really surprising. Uh, also 500 are the Blazers, the Clippers. Uh, just above 500 are the Lakers, sitting at number 6, 12 and 11. Really? Okay. The Lakers are... I don't know. The Lakers are just really anomaly. They have so much experience, but they don't look like they're always going to take. They're going to be a problem. Yeah. Like When they're all ticking, they're going to be really, really good. But as soon as that one one guy on their team isn't at the same speed as everybody else, it's just going to fall apart mm-hmm. in a game. So, we'll see. Uh, the Grizzlies at number five. That's, that's been, that's been Yes. Uh, Mavericks at four. 
Now, the top three are really the contenders in the West. Uh, the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Suns. Uh, might I add that the Suns beat the Warriors a couple days ago and are on a 17-game win streak. That's crazy. They started 1-3 and three and are now 18-3. and three. Sharing the same, uh, basically tied at the top of the Western Conference with the Golden State Warriors, who are eighteen and three, of which one losses to uh, the Hornets, might I add. <laughs> so uh, it's always beautiful. Gotta feel proud for the Hornets. The Hornets look good. The Hornets are good. Yeah, yeah. They, it, it just if 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 someone could lift the curse of the Hornets, not having a good center, they can actually play defense. The Hornets would actually like. Win fifty or sixty games. Yeah, that that's how far off they are. They just need a guy who can play center well, and they can win all these games. But uh, you know, far be it for me to get Mitch Kupchak to actually get a center. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's uh basically a quick round of the NBA uh, as it stands. It's still early in the season, lots of games to go, but uh. Still very exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, it um it sure is. Definitely, definitely is. So with that, I guess that concludes this episode then. Thank you all for oh, listening. Actually, oh, something there, else? There's one more thing. Yes, Alright. I, I just saw. Um ESPN reported on the New York mayor election. Uh oh, that happened. And uh guess who got a vote? Who? According to ESPN. Uh, Trey Young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Trey Young. <laughs> one, one vote for Trey Young. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the guy who the Knicks fans were yelling at in the playoffs last year. Um, oh, I, man. I, <laughs> my heart goes out to whoever... whoever um, Whoever had the balls to do that. To do that, yeah. yeah. I will say RJ Barrett got more votes. He got two votes. Oh, there we go. There we so go. That's good. Julius Randle also got two. Um, uh, Abraham Lincoln got, got a vote. Uh, oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So Trey Young's in the. Trey Young is in. Like, has gotten as many votes as Abraham Lincoln. There you go. There you go. You never knew. Yeah. Um,. So, but, but just thought it was comical that he got voted for mayor of New York of all places. Trey Young did. Oh man, that that's gonna be a career long thing for him, him in New York. So yeah, this is gonna be fun to watch. But uh, I guess that wraps it up. Anything else? Yeah, it does. It does. No, nothing else. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please do share this with your uh, friends, family, and whoever you see walking down the street. Uh, We always want to grow our uh, listener base. But uh, until next time, stay safe and goodbye.